I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. My personality, just like my credit score, is a perfect 10. <laughs> You may think I'm all about the mess, but I'm all about the money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually really proud of us. I have to tell you, I think both of our tagline this week were very good. I'm into it. I thought I had a little laugh after my accountant called me to let me know I'm never going to get out of debt. And I just wanted to incorporate it. <laughs> into this week's tagline and so i'm so glad that ours are both we're both booked and busy okay you guys we're booked and booked busy on this week's andy's girls and busy. booked and busy and guys it's andy's girls obviously what if i was like it's bitch sesh. <laughs> <laughs> i'll take over um guys listen it's andy's girls episode 185 and i am so excited to be joined by one of my favorite people coming back on the people's people's couch he is a news and entertainment journalist and pop culture expert whose youtube page and social media i am beyond obsessed with i just watched his exclusive kiki with the grand dame of Potomac, <laughs> and you could tell she loves him just as much as I do. It's none other than Richie Sky. Richie Sky, we're in the building. We're in the visit. But I just that was a word that didn't make any sense. It just I I think I was saying building and business at once, <laughs> and it came out, and it was a beautiful medley here on the bitch sesh people's people's couch. <laughs> Um, Richie Sky, how are you this Friday morning? We're recording at 6 a.m. <laughs> I'm great. It's been an insane week. 
but mm. I'm I'm glad it's the weekend. I'm really glad. <laughs> Technically, it is the weekend. Yes. If we are still believing that days are a thing, the weekend <laughs> is upon us. And I'm super into your optimism <laughs> in thinking that our weeks have structure. I think that is so wonderful and optimistic of you. <laughs> I have a friend, my shout out to um, uh, Dylan Hafer, a friend of the pod, friend of me, who was like, um, oh, my God, there's like another day in the work week. He said that yesterday. And I was like, OK, braggy. All right. I get it. Yeah. You with your job. OK. Tell me again that Friday means you're working somewhere. OK. Understood. Hashtag consulting during quarantine. Hashtag just heavy debt. <laughs> heavy, heavy debt. Um, so, Richie Sky, first off, so you moved since the last time we recorded, since the last time you were at Andy's Girls, you moved to... I am now in Washington, D.C. <gasps> wow. So how did that come about? Because you were living in Miami, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When what what inspired this? Are you just that obsessed with every Hugh Beauty that you noticed it wasn't available at your local Target, and you were like, "I need to get to the headquarters." Um, oh my God! Word on the street. Right, word on the street. No, we moved because we wanted me and my fiance. We wanted to be closer to our <gasps> muscle tub. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to be closer to our families, and our families both live in like Southern Virginia and like. North Carolina, probably about 45 minutes from each other, which is odd. But we knew that we wanted to be in a major city. So it was like D.C. Mm -hmm. was an obvious choice because this is also where we met. So uh, we just came back here. Wow. And were you thinking about this move previous to COVID or was this inspired by, you know, the everyday shit show? No, it was actually something that we had planned on doing and we had talked about this time frame last year before any of this happened we knew that we were moving back here so when everything kind of hit with the pandemic it was like okay obviously now it's more important than ever to be able to to just be able to get to our families if we need to but obviously i haven't been able to visit my family because you know uh of the pandemic but yeah i mean it was always in the works I can't imagine wanting to live closer to my family. So shout out to you <laughs> for having those family values. I'm like, can I get further away? <laughs> I hear Alaska is gorgeous this time of year. What can I tell you? Um, Richie Sky, so listen, where were you when you heard the news about um Biden? About our 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 president elect? So interesting. It was very interesting. It was Saturday. I spent all Saturday editing a an interview with Anna Kinkosis from the Real Housewives of Miami. But she's my former co-host. Oh my god, I love. Her. Yeah, she's my former co-host from uh, when we were uh, co-hosting a morning show in Miami, and so <gasps> we were texting back and forth as it was happening. Um, it it was it was awesome. It was com- it was completely awesome. I didn't get to go out and really celebrate that day. My fiance called okay. me while I was doing a video for my channel. It was just a re- I was working all day. It was a- but oh it was God, still it was still awesome. So can I ask you about Anna? Yeah. I'm so curious. You know, I've interviewed Leah Black several times on Andy's Girls because I'm a big fan of going to Miami and um, using that as a write off. But um, <laughs> I don't know that in our conversations I have brought this 
up. So AGs, if you can remind me, slide into the Andy's Girls archives. I don't know that I asked her specifically about the editing around the season three reunion, but that is a topic that seemingly heavily features Anna. I don't know if you remember all this stuff, but when she like brought a folder of info about whatever and then this was like the precursor to Adrian Maloof and surrogacy because her cast member who she was trying to surprise at the reunion was able to successfully get a lot of that info removed from the broadcast so what you have now when you watch the season three reunion are some like edits to faces and reactions that don't necessarily make sense when it comes to the edited episode like there are points where Leah looks so emotional but it doesn't make sense in the context of the reunion have you ever talked to Anna about that situation yes you know about that like legal stuff which I'm sure she's so happy to talk about publicly well you know the thing about Anna is that she used to practice law so yeah. she, you know, kind of, un she understands, you know, where to draw the line, where not to draw the line, you know, with, with everything that kind of goes along with revealing information on a television show. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What I think, and I think she's, she's, we've spoken about this several times because, you know, when I got to Miami and I realized I f we fell in love, like as soon as we met, like I knew I was like, she is I my person. That. Like I, I really loved her. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would wager to say also, and I told her this, and I've told her this time and time again, the Anna that I know is not the Anna that was present on that show. The Anna that I know is, is way more outspoken. And I think you get that if you watch this past, this interview that we did, mm -hmm. she's way more, uh, open and free and fun, but she came across mm -hmm. on this during the season as very sort of careful if that makes any sense. Yeah. Until the reunion. No, until totally the does. reunion. Okay. Right. And then it was like a completely different And person. so what I believe happened, and I think she's kind of alluded to this, but didn't specifically say, was that she was, I believe, alerted by production to something that maybe Leah was about to come after her with. And so she came oh. ready in case that happened. And there were some things that weren't shown from what I am told from a couple of different sources that led to that whole situation happening, which is why the edit looked the way that it looked between her and Leah. Wow. Do you think that, you know, this is something that Andy has discussed, I think, on Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino recently, the idea that, you know, he's pitching Miami season four to Peacock and who knows what that'll be, if it's like a streaming service or something else, you know, if it's like exclusive to Peacock or if it would end up being on Bravo. But, um, you know, he's been talking about it and a lot of fans have been talking about wanting to go back to Miami or reinvent Miami. Do you think that that will actually happen? And if it does, are there any cast members that you could see returning or do you think that they would start like completely from scratch? Well, I think that, uh, and not to plug that interview with Anna, but that's the reason why I wanted to have that conversation with her. Oh, um, right. 
but I'll give you some some tidbits from what I from what I gathered. I do think that it's completely 100% possible that we could end up seeing it at some point in time coming maybe in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How it will work with the streaming service is a little bit interesting because he did specifically say Peacock and we t- kind of touched on that right. as well. So that's interesting okay. like because we haven't heard of that before. But now that we know that there's the possibility of them having streaming shows and then regular mm-hmm. Bravo shows, then that opens the door to a lot of different things, right? Um, now, if they were to bring back any cast members, I think you can go in two directions. One, I think that there's a, you can cast in two different ways. If they were to bring back anybody, I definitely think that, and I love Leah Black. Leah Black to me was a quintessential part of Miami in mm-hmm. that uh, sort of older money way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she was like the LVP, like very alpha, yeah. not ready to not 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 afraid of like getting into the shit. Yeah. Like definitely I yeah, think that the narrative. Yeah. They would they should bring back Lisa Hotstein because she Oh my god. We and Anna and I talked about that as well because she lives the lifestyle. She is mm-hmm. she is the new Miami. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, she has the money, she has the plastic surgeon husband. But mm-hmm. I also think that I don't know that Anna would ever go back because I think she's in a different space in her life now. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that the Anna that I know today would be a better housewife uh, because she's she's quick on her feet. You know, she's mm-hmm. emotional. She she reacts to things and she is fiery. You know what I mean? And so I think mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the her that she is as a comfortable woman in her skin, knowing what the housewives game is. I think that she would go in and, and absolutely kill it because she's not afraid to a have a difficult conversation and say something that could be perceived as wrong, but then be open enough to have a conversation about why it was wrong and move in a different direction. She's just open, if that makes any sense. It totally does. And I think that housewives today versus the housewives from you know, the sort of glory days that we're all used to, I think that because of the era that we live in right now, housewives have to be open, honest, raw, and real, you know? And I think that's what's going to be the defining factor for the success of housewives moving forward, and specifically if they were to start over in Miami. It's so interesting you raised the two people I was thinking, Lisa, absolutely, and Leah. And also, Miami's such an interesting cast because as we've seen, you know, politics and housewives has really been, you know, on the forefront of conversation, certainly living in the time that we are. And I think that Miami was genuinely so diverse in every way, culturally, and I also think politically, like Leah's a big Democrat, Lisa's um, a big conservative. I don't know if she's like MAGA per se, she very well might be, but like having that mix of people and everybody's rich AF like I think would be fantastic because what we're experiencing right now on franchises with the exception of Salt Lake City I think which is probably one of the most diverse in just pulling a bunch of different ideologies together is that we have like certain housewives franchises that feel very progressive very liberal and certain franchises that feel only fully very uh, mostly majority like very conservative and i love the idea of a show that really feels like it's open people are open about what they think they're open about their thoughts and it's not just one side or the mm-hmm. other and i think miami aside from salt lake city is 
a franchise that could do that very well, very smoothly, where it feels very organic. Um, and it doesn't feel like the only thing that's being discussed, but you do know that who these women right. are and what they believe. And I would love to see it. I think that Lisa is so fascinating and her social has grown so much in, I would say, like the last couple years. And she has so much fucking money. And I remember that whole thing with her mother-in-law and everything else. She's so interesting. And I love Leah Black. Um you know, watching her on flip flipping out made me miss her on Bravo. And she's such a superstar that I hope that there is some outlet for her to return. And I do think that if they restarted Miami or, or picked it up or whatever, at least with these two women, it's like a wink to us that we know two of these people and then they can introduce everybody else. The only other person that I would think about maybe is Adriana, Audrey, Adriana, yeah. Adriana. But I think you know everything got so toxic with leah also i don't know where she is because of like the money stuff also allegedly she like married her fiance before their with you know yeah. like it wasn't real i think maybe her time has passed i i would i was thinking about her as well because she's you know fiery she had that huge moment with joanna krupa who is mm. Who would have been one of my other choices, but, you know, Joanna doesn't live in Miami, so I don't feel like she really yeah. represents that. I would probably put her in Beverly Hills um, because I feel like Beverly Hills could use use <sighs> an injection of something, something else. But Adriana, no, because I just felt like I didn't like this whole idea that, you know, she kind of tricked us all with this whole fiance right. and and then this whole right. wedding. Like, just tell us it's a vow renewal. Tell us it's, you know, tell us what it actually is. And I just kind of felt like a lot of times she was reaching for a an argument to, to be controversial. And I just didn't like that. And I think now, as an audience, we see through that. Yeah. It would be interesting to see just the the changes in how these women operate because they were it's like a little bit of a callback, but people have been asking for this for years. So I'd love to see it. Um, but listen, this week has been so spectacular. We were given the gift of Salt Lake City. Potomac is once again reaching for historic new heights. It has felt so wonderful to have two, only two franchises <laughs> on the air, but to have like such fantastic franchises and to really see that in answer to the question, is there a future to Real Housewives? Salt Lake City is saying like, not only is there a future, but it's better than a lot of what we have seen in the past. It feels like the production company shed whomever, certainly Bravo, did such a fucking good job <laughs> casting this show, editing this show, shooting the show for what seems like eight years because they have content from six months ago that they're just going to reference in a two second little clip of someone picking up a shoe and saying, are you an eight and a half? I am. God bless. Like the fact that they can throw us these little delightful moments in a series, a series premiere a series premiere of a brand new franchise that was like instantly iconic. I mean, if Bravo had Rotten Tomatoes, it would be 111% rave. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know a single person who didn't 
become immediately obsessed with these women. And if someone didn't, I'm sorry. I don't know. We need to have a talk. Like, or maybe we need to social distance because I don't know. I like can't imagine it. I just, I've seen it four times. You know, I, I can't get enough. I'm so proud of myself for um, being able to know the difference between Meredith and Lisa. Like there is so much like when you have identical twins, not since New Jersey season five-ish have we experienced this. It was just fantastic. So what were your thoughts going into watching the premiere? And what do you think about this new chapter for Bravo? You know, going into it, I was excited. Uh, when I think I, when I think last year when I first heard Salt Lake City, I was like, what? Mm. Why? Yes. But then I thought I've always wanted to go to Sundance. I love the snow. I love the mountains. And then I started following like Housewives accounts. I think it was Housewives of SEA, SLC on Instagram. And I was like, I want to know who the cast is. And I started following mm-hmm. potential cast members and, and all sorts of things. So I've, I've been invested for quite some time. And so kind of seeing the trailer, I was like, okay, I'm officially excited because one, I knew that I would not be able to watch OC. So for me, Mm. it just was like, okay, this is going to be a breath of fresh air. And then as little details started to really kind of come out and I could see the characters and that sort of thing, I was really getting more and more and more excited. And what I also loved was that, you know, Bravo put a lot into the marketing for this show. Mm. And I thought that it was really amazing to see, as well as the fact that it's a very diverse cast. Like, it's a cast of women and it's a cast of characters that I just was like, this is this is insane. So when I saw it, it makes OC and Beverly Hills a little bit seem antiquated mm-hmm. you know these women brought serious fashion there's so much that i had to process with this because i felt like as from a from a reality tv show lover's perspective right what i pieced together as i watched the episode and i w- had to watch it twice my only con- my only gripe is that it came on at 10 so the first time i watched it i was like half sleep the second time I... W- it's late. It's late. You should flip it. It should be Salt Lake City and then Orange Exactly. County. It's so late, but I was like committed. Mm-hmm. So I had to watch it again. And so I watched it the second time. And what I noticed was they did something that was really cool. And I felt like it was kind of callbacks to several different shows. Mm-hmm. I felt like they had filmed so much prior mm-hmm. to the actual start of the season that mm-hmm. it... Almost gave these women, whether they really knew each other or not, a little bit of history. Which And so this yes. was smart. Because then what it became was the sort of two big beefs that we have. And I guess the, the main one was with Jen and Mary. Was from an incident that occurred off camera that we will likely never see. Reminiscent to Kyle and Camille Grammer. Wow. From season one of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which was so iconic. Oh God, yes. And then this argument gave me Giselle and Karen vibes from season one, episode one of Real Housewives mm-hmm. of Potomac. So it's almost like they took or or even take take it back further. Uh, um, Nene not being able to gain access to Sheree's party season one oh of God, Real Housewives yes. of Atlanta. And so it felt like. Oh, they're paying attention to what 
what really sells a first episode, a first season. And it's always interesting. And I find these incidents to be the best when an incident happens off camera. So we have to determine whose side we're on and how we're going to view the characters. And now it's a little bit unfair to the characters, but it's more exciting that way because it feels like a mystery to us. And it also shows that like you don't need to have an explosive moment. I think the best moments on Housewife shows are these moments of like micro shade where it's like a micro aggression, (laughs) but it's done as like a slayer. I mean, these women say these things to fuck with each other or they say something that they don't even realize is shady. And then someone else is like, you hurt my feelings. And so they double down. Like I had heard. So I got a, whatever, a couple weeks ago, I had heard from people. Cause I always take my sweet time to watch. Cause I'm a nightmare. I had heard from people. They were like, there's going to be a fight in the last 10 minutes. You're going to lose your mind. And I thought, Oh, it's going to be like a big thing. <laughs> there's going to be some like crazy thing. I wasn't even thinking it was going to be funny. I was just thinking like, there's going to be an explosive moment yelling at each other about <laughs> you smell like hospital, which first off, not a hospital or like this specific hospital, but just like hospital capital H no one could have ever guessed it. And then you couple it with Mary's confessionals. And I have watched that scene so many times where she's like casting blame on this poor woman who had to get her legs amputated because of diabetes. And she's so disgusted at the idea of it. And she's like, who even gets sick at 60 <laughs> Drink more water when I tell you I died in that <laughs> moment and my soul left my body, which I'm assuming is similar to going to Pentecostal church <laughs> with Mother Mary. I I was taken out. It's like the quick cut of Jen being genuinely upset and like reading the reading it straight, which is out of character for her like Jen's like putting on a little bit of a show for us. She's a little bit performative. So, but she's like keeping it very real. Like this woman raised me. She's my mother. And then you juxtapose that. And she was like, I was in the hospital there. She was like very sick. You juxtapose that with Mary, like putting her fingers to her nose and being like, P.U. Why don't you eat broccoli? Like unbelievable. Like unbelievable. And so funny. And then when fucking... Um, Jen's friend comes over and I think this woman is going to shy away from it. This <laughs> And she says, like, did you say that Mary think Mary and I are in the same page. We both think that Carrie's going to like pretend or man. And Carrie looks at her dead on. And is like, you better fucking believe I say it. And I say it again, you stupid cunt. Are you kidding? I was rattled. Like these people, that woman, Sarah, who I oh my God. Sarah was, who got- I- why didn't they cast her? Talk about a slither in the room. I'm getting Potomac vibe. She comes in with that, like, Saved by the Bell-esque, like, <laughs> off to the max or whatever. Max and Nista, possibly, probably not. <laughs> Just coming and having to, And then she realizes, like, it might not be. <laughs> like, I just, I can't. How can you not love this show? And love these women. Mary is, I don't want to say. 
say what I almost just said. Mary is iconic. See? Is what I'm, Mary is historic casting. Did you read that Reddit thing about Mary, by the way? I don't know what was on Reddit, but I know what was on. I, 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 I'm friends with uh, Monica, who runs All About the Tea. It wasn't even oh, yeah. what it wasn't even what was in the article. It was the dissertation comment about everything that's yeah. gone on in the church. Yeah. I went down a rabbit hole for about 30 minutes with that. I mean, I read the I read it in full. It's like a little executive <clears throat> success program to me when you get into like there's like some Nexium vibes there, like when you get into the um minutia of Mary's business scenario i mean like i know we're all talking about her um interesting how we met style new york times vow section of how she married her step-grandfather <clears throat> but how they run their businesses and she's maybe forcing like the tithing of it all to maybe like 50 percent, and that's maybe how she's able to wear the Versace runway <laughs> and maybe they're like controlling of their congregants marriages and relations. It's not great, <laughs> but it adds to her mystique and I can't, I, I have no choice but to stand. I have no choice but to stand. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of, you know what I love about a housewife that becomes iconic to me is the confusion of Fraud. it all. Um, you know, yeah. I, that's the reason why Denise forever will be one of my favorite housewives because there was so much confusion with her, and mm. it the, it's it's even more so with Mary. I couldn't even mm. believe what she said in her confessional, and I'm like, this woman is a pastor. She says that she is a pastor. Apparently, she is literally a pastor. It's so <laughs> the cognitive dissonance of it all again record-breaking casting like you have to and i know people going in again we're thinking like jen shaw is going to be the one and i don't think there is a single weak link in this cast i think everybody is so crucial all the different personalities meredith being very cool and kind of above all of this whitney being so happy to be there and wanting to share her story and seems like just very genuinely lovable my soul sister heather gay love of my life i know she is going to be the unproblematic shannon bedore that we need and deserve like <laughs> i there is there is so much there to unpack that even somebody like mary who doesn't know how to turn on instagram live you know bravo did these instagram lives where they paired salt lake city housewives with like iconic uh, housewives from existing franchises and i haven't gotten a chance to see the second day's worth but i watched the first live like i was in the thread like just sending nothing but love which is what we need to give salt lake city like nothing but love but you know, watching Mary ask us repeatedly, is she live? <laughs> and then saying, like, I don't know how to end this. Forgetting what franchise Teresa was on. And also words explaining to Teresa how she married her grandfather, which, P.S., we might want to remember to include step. <clears throat> like, words are important. And watching Teresa's face, who has no idea who this woman was, has never watched a single Housewives episode, probably including her own, except when she was away at camp. I mean, unbelievable. These women are already, I swear to God, a part of our lives. Like, I can't imagine life before Wednesday night. I really can't. This is so important to me. Like, Salt Lake City is 
everything. Salt Lake City is where we need to be, how we need to live, and how we will understand more about ourselves. Yep. Honestly. I agree. Like I don't even I don't even know what to say. <clears throat> I mean, the dynamics are really interesting. I think that, you know, the Heather stuff I just find fascinating. All of these women from backgrounds, many of whom are like OGs of the Mormon church, several of whom have been excommunicated or left. Salt Lake City, I when they first announced it, I had a similar reaction to it. I was like, Salt Lake City. And I just assumed it was going to be all Mormon, very white, and kind of like one personality type. And I couldn't be more wrong. It's such a diverse show. These women have so many opinions. The, fo- the fact that Jen Shaw is talking about like racism in her former religion and how that led to her exit and we're five minutes into the series premiere I mean this is this feels like now it feels so fresh and so classic it's just like I'm so excited to unpack it once we get into more stuff yeah that's why I feel kind of like OC feels antiquated compared to that Mm-hmm. And I'm a little worried that Dallas will feel the same way. I can't imagine watching Dallas right now. It just, it seems so tired. They had such a shitty last season. I can't believe Carrie with the K is back. I can't, I can't either. It just, it's going to show the weaknesses that are inherent in some of these franchises. Some of whom have been on for so long and are really struggling and others just you know, took off, but maybe for a season. Maybe some of these franchises aren't meant to last forever. And if we're talking about Miami coming back, not the worst idea for it to replace something else. I feel like Dallas is so off where it needs to be right now. And the keeping the cast where it was is so, it just feels wrong to me. I would love to be wrong when the episodes air. I would love to be it for it to be amazing, but I just don't see that being a possibility. And then we have, Salt Lake City that literally came from the stars like it came from heaven above shout out to Brigham and Young who I learned more about on this week's episode than I have ever known before like I I just I don't see it I don't see how shows like Dallas are going to be able to survive I I was thinking to myself how do you know because this hasn't really happened especially with the longer running franchises how do you know when it's time to end a franchise You know, that's going to be an interesting thing to sort of navigate moving forward, because unless they do something, I don't know, maybe OC can continue. But I I do kind of agree with you on Dallas. That's going to be a difficult one to move forward from because they've also broken from their. Their typical formula, you know, Dallas needed a villain. You know, and whether she I don't think she ever I don't think. As time went on, that Leanne wanted to be the villain that they that they needed her to be. And mm-hmm. I felt like they continued to push and poke at her so that she would ultimately go back to that. And I think that that was a tired sort of framework to, to, to operate with. And now, what do we have left with that show? Honestly, the idea of watching another season of Deandra just feels like, I don't know, many more cups of ketchup needs to be added to that recipe because (laughs) it's not good. When the best thing about you is your mother, that is tough. 
you know, when she started off, she was such a strong housewife. She came in. I loved her. I was obsessed with her, but she had a bad season and I don't die for her online. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't know that I see it. I don't know that I see a reason for her to still be there. And, you know, it was like a sign of desperation at the reunion when Leanne said, you know, like, I think we should, I would love for us to work on our friendship because she knew that, you know, time was not on her side with staying on the show. And it just feels like, it's time should also not be on the side of Deandra. Like, I think it's like TikTok. I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot, there's, there's some other problems that arose with that cast. I think that (laughs) Brandy is problematic to me, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in specific ways. And I just, (laughs) I just, yeah, I, I don't know in light of, and I didn't even want to talk about this, but I feel like, the elephant in the room is that you had a pretty big write-up in Vice. And I'm not the one, you know, doing the interviewing, but I just have to ask, like, as it relates to Brandy and then some of the problematic statements that she's made, it's interesting that Leanne was the one who was ousted. Brandy was not. Interesting to me. And then in light of where we are today as a country, especially post-election, and I think your the write-up about you and what the work that you have done in identifying specific cast members who have been really silent these past days. How do you have this cast come back? <clears throat> um yeah, I don't have an answer. Just to give a little bit of a back of background, so I had seen on social media over the weekend, a friend had posted on their stories, you know, they had come up with a list of celebrities who hadn't posted about the election and, and saying how um, damaging that could potentially be in uh, just relating to results that one side are, is trying to contest. And so this isn't like in normal days where if your guy doesn't when you don't say anything and you have every right regardless to decide how to use your social media and how to use your platform but the danger that we are currently facing as a country with our democracy at stake and so i thought i thought to myself oh that's really interesting and you know i stalk these women on the regular anyway i know what they've had for lunch so let me just go in and see like who's posted about the election results regardless of who you voted for i was just curious because we are in such a gray area right now and there is something to be said for the people who've stayed silent that you can kind of infer as a human mm-hmm. person what to make of that you know like who are the people that have spoken out and have not and it was so lopsided that aside from a couple people maybe from like new, new york new jersey you know all of um uh potomac all of atlanta um have used their platforms to for social good and um, awareness and voter registration, everything. And I think the entirety of Dallas stayed silent as did, I think the entirety of orange County. I literally came up with the list and I don't even remember at this point. And what happened was I posted this (laughs) as opposed to Instagram and got immediately flooded with a lot of hate. People telling me, um, I got like genuinely vile messages, threatening messages. Um, I was deleting and blocking people every minute of the entire day. Um, a lot of people told me I was a piece of shit. And then when I blocked them, 
or forgot to block but like remove the comment saying I was a piece of shit they said I was a bully for removing their comment which I still try to understand the cognitive dissonance of it all um <laughs> but anyway and then I unfortunately a MAGA you know I just got overwhelmed a lot of people uh were very angry at me for having this conversation which I said repeatedly wasn't about someone's voting or whether or not they were supporting a candidate's just specifically related to acknowledging election results as as an American and a person with a platform who has every right to say or not say whatever they want but I just was commenting on it um and a lot of people were very very angry at me and I heard from a lot of people who said I was um like a vile person for having this conversation and unfortunately um people in addition to sending me threatening messages doxed me so all of my personal information um my middle name shout out amelia with an e um birthday job home address cell phone email uh you know i have this podcast i'm so appreciative of people that listen i am myself when it comes to like like parts of my soul pretty private so I literally, I missed a podcast recording I was supposed to do. I was so out of it trying to get my personal information removed from the internet. And P.S. the account that doxed me several times still hasn't been suspended by Instagram, which is a whole other story. But anyway, so Vice reached out to me and covered the um, Instagram post and just some more background on my perspective and thinking and and uh, the writers thinking about this election and and the world of pop culture and um, responsibility in between and you can go to I'll link to it in the show notes for this episode you can go to my Instagram to see it but it really opened a can of worms that I I wasn't expecting the like direct liquid hate. But there were a couple housewives who reached out to from Dallas. Who, Carrie with a K said, essentially, I don't do politics, which is absolutely her right. But very fascinating when you think that her entire plot on Dallas last season was about her cast rallying around what everyone said was like racist behavior by a castmate. So there's that, but she has every right to do what she wants. And then Brandy Redmond, who reached out and said, I don't, I'm not talking about this on my, um, on my social media, but she absolutely acknowledged Biden Harris. She's the only Dallas housewife to do so. And obviously Brandy has exhibited a series of problematic behaviors on Dallas, the, um, like dildo stuff, obviously, uh, um, the racist Asian caricature stuff that she did on social and is very problematic. And she also, I think, deserves credit for being the only Dallas cast member to acknowledge the fact that we had an election and somebody won. So it's tough. It's like a, it's a tough when you look at the future of some of these shows and it's like many of these women are problematic IRL. I do think it's incredibly important to have conservatives as housewives. I think it's incredibly important. It's also why I love Salt Lake City so much because I do think that there's probably a pretty good mix on there of conservatives and progressives. And I think that that's great. I love to see that in one show. I do want to <coughs> understand women's behavior that is separate, but also sometimes reflected from their political views. But to even have that conversation, I mean, I got like 
dragged. I I didn't. There has been other stuff that I've done on social media and with Andy's girls that I. I don't know where I was like, okay, I might get some pushback for this, but I, I don't know. I wasn't expecting the level of hate that came my way. And then people who were like, I'm going to punish you for this. I heard from people who said, I'm an Andy Scrolls listener. I'm rating your podcast one star because I hate what you just did on Instagram. And I'm telling all of my friends to do the same. Like, I didn't, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not even, I'm not even like making news like i didn't even this isn't even the launch of an initiative this is just a list well first things first is i think that you are incredibly brave i mean thanks (laughs) i didn't (laughs) but you know here's the thing you're just you're just doing you right you're just doing you and you're just operating from a place of i'm gonna i i want to do the right thing I want to do the right things and I want people to do the right things. And anytime you have that level of bravery, you're gone, you're going to get, you're going to, people are going to come after you. I think the way in which they've done so is heinous, but I think that also speaks more of that type of person than it does even a political party or affiliation. And I think that was the problem that I think I had with a lot of this is the support of or lack of, I guess, empathy for what a lot of us have gone through from some of our favorite people is Mm -hmm. disappointing for a lot of us. And so I think when I saw the list, I was just kind of like, hmm, noted because you, we live in a different era now. We don't live in, this is in 2015. (laughs) As much as people would like for it to still be 2015, it's not, it's 2020. And we're at a point now where I feel like people have to take a stand for what's right. And we want to watch people on our TV take a stand for what's right. And I don't think that this is a Republican or Democratic issue at this point. I think it's a it's and I think I I think I read this in your post. I feel like it's more of a good versus evil type situation. Um, And so to to stand silent when there's blatant evil happening right outside your door is astounding to me. Um, so I would say I didn't say good versus evil. I think somebody commented oh, on that post. That's I what I was thinking. Personally, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I actually, I actually personally don't agree with that in the sense of good versus evil through the eyes of these women. Cause I think what's most important about housewives is knowing that even if I disagree with every single thing that you stand for, I am still empathetic about your journey and curious about who you are. And it was that curiosity, like, and I'm so appreciative of the, of the mazels, but I don't think what I was doing was in any way, just my two shekels. I don't think what I was doing came in any way from a place of bravery. I just was honestly curious, which is sort of like the motto and mission of AG. I just, I really was just genuinely curious because it's a conversation that people are having about other celebrities. And I was like, well, I live in the world of Bravo. So like, let's see what's happening there. Um, I just, I think that I, I just think it's like, regardless of who you voted for, which is for some people, very public choice, but ultimately a private decision. I was curious about with the place that we're in now where like our president elect can't get access to 
secure information because the current administration is like blocking it <laughs> because the president yeah. like do all well, their <laughs> I, <laughs> I can feel that but I also think and I think the the experience that I probably bring to the table I think as a black man it makes mm-hmm. it a little it it sort of changes things a little yeah, bit for me because it does feel more like a life and death situation it doesn't feel of and course. again here's the thing I don't care if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, if you're a conservative or if you're not. That has never bothered me. I think it was more or less like I can't understand how people can remain silent when things are happening in the world that affect all of us and specifically people who look like me Mm -hmm. in such Mm -hmm. a dangerous way. So Mm -hmm. I think at that point, for me, I view there is a sort of fight of good versus evil, not Democrat versus Republican, if that makes any sense. Because to me, that's not even what most of this is about. Because... Absolutely, completely agree. You know, it's just that we're in a different time with during these past four years. It has become something else. I, I agree with you. And I think just like some of the... And people getting mad at me for saying I was a horrible person or saying you're a piece of shit or how dare you even post this and then getting mad when I like delete the con- of course you're telling me I'm a terrible person like babe I, a friend of the show Pet Shop Boy sells merch I'm obsessed with but like one of his favorite very phrases that's become iconic is like I can explain it for you but I can't understand it for you mm. I can explain it to you but I can't under- uh, uh, understand it for you and that's kind of how it is like if you were going to come at somebody with hate in that way there is going to be a response and it's probably going to be revoking access to that person's like whatever and so that was a little bit of a learning lesson for me but I do want to pivot a little bit because you're bringing up um empathy when you're looking at people and understanding people's stories and the position that you're there where they're coming from regardless of how you feel about how that is being expressed and I can't think of a franchise where that is so clearly important especially when there's like elements of some of those ingredients missing than Potomac right now where you know you had this interview with Karen Huger um earlier this week that was so phenomenal but where you were talking about how Karen is looked at in the group as being not just like the mediator for everything happening with Candace and Monique but also the person who is saying your behavior doesn't provide you the entirety of your identity and regardless of however I feel about how someone is reacting to things, i.e. the altercation, I'm not just going to drop them because I care too much. And so I'm curious knowing, first off, how did that come about with Karen? Because I'm like, (laughs) Um, but I also want to know, like, what's your perspective watching all of this play out with, you know, Monique and Candace and, and even with like, Wendy and Karen and Karen and Giselle where a lot of it seems to come down to I'm either reacting to feeling frustration or hurt 
or I have zero interest in understanding the other side? Um, I think first thing is I think that Karen may have seen some of my videos like last year. And so when I met her in January at my friend Riley Knox, she was doing a show here in DC. <gasps> oh, yeah. That's my best friend. Wait. So Oh my God, Riley Knox is everything. Yeah, yeah, she's everything. awesome. Um, but she had a show and then Karen came to the show and she was, and I'd done a news show earlier and they asked me who my favorite Potomac Housewives were. And I was like, <gasps> I said at that point in time, I was like, well, obviously, you know, I said, I love uh, Giselle. I love Karen. I love Monique. And so, uh, you know, she was joking with me about that. And we just had like a, maybe a 15 minute conversation and, you know, it was kind of like a, a really good dialogue. So I was like, I need to talk to her at some point. And so we were actually supposed to interview like around the time of the altercation. But I guess mm. maybe, you know, the network kind of wanted to pause on the amount of talk coming from, you know, everyone. Yeah. And I respected them for that. I, I totally, it, listen, whatever they want, I, you know. I'm giving it. Mm -hmm. um, and so luckily we were able to schedule it this week, which I think was a better time mm -hmm. because I think that it allowed her voice to be heard outside of any other, uh, you know, crazy noise regarding the altercation that we were facing about mm -hmm. a month and a half ago. Um, now, with regards to the ladies on the show, <clears throat> here's what I think, especially with Karen and her stance on it. You know, when you look at a person... Um, you don't look at a person uh, in terms of one event, right? And I think that this has to be where a little bit, it, it kind of goes back a little bit to what, I what we were talking about earlier, but in a different way. I think that mm -hmm. just because someone does something that you don't agree with or something bad, mm -hmm. that is not the totality of that person's existence. Amen. So there's that. You know, I, I want to start off by acknowledging that. And I think that that's something that Karen has done very well with saying, listen, I'm going to look at my friend as a whole person versus the one thing that she did wrong, because that's a very dangerous place to exist, especially in the world of housewives. Because when you do that, you have to also recognize that there will be a season where you do something completely wrong. It's happened in every franchise with just about every character at some point in time. Mm -hmm. Um. And so I think that even in real life, we have to look at how a person moves and not just the one thing. And I feel like with Candace and Monique, I think what a lot of people are looking at is there's this incident that Monique had. And then there is the totality of the things that we've seen from Candace. And while what Monique did was wrong, she reacted. And we've all been there in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not to that extreme. I know that I have. You know, in the past, I've been in fights when I was younger. So to me, this was nothing. I got it. I understood it. Hey, you pushed me to the edge, and, I, and there I went. But for a lot of people, that's not their experience. So I get that. They don't they don't understand how that works. Um, but then I also look at and I hate to say this. I think that Candace is a beautiful girl, but I think that God. she <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I, and, That's when you know you're about to get. <laughs> <holy> <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> 
But I think that, you know, for her having done work with the Obama administration, for her to have been in this pageant world, you know, it's the things that she has said, done, like, and just repeatedly said to people that were insightful, that were just kind of just not emblematic of someone who is as beautiful as she is. I want to contrast those two things. They don't match and they don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. So when I look at how she's moving in, in general through life right now, mm-hmm. I think that it just, for Karen to still be, to still want to embrace her as well, I feel like that's grace. Karen is exhibiting grace that the other ladies are not able to even come come close to. And I think that with Giselle, her problem with Monique stems way back to when she first came on the show and she told her that she had four homes. That is honestly, I feel like at that moment, mm-hmm. Giselle had made a decision in her mind that I don't want this girl. I, I don't No, no, mm-hmm. no. And Robin, you're not going to like her either. Oh boy, I feel I agree with everything that you're saying, and I think that the other women in the cast looked at Monique and said, you broke a code of conduct, that when you put your hands on someone, you went too far. And what Candace has been saying publicly, legally, whatever else is, she was essentially abusive to me, or she assaulted me, or whatever else. And she's not wrong in the fact and in the sense that, of course, she was like physically harmed. She was aggressed. She was it It happened. We saw it. We saw it on TV. Candace seems to think that's like all or nothing for Monique, that if anybody empathizes with her, sympathizes with her, brings up moments where Candace herself has not been great. Hashtag the butter knife. She's obviously easily triggered and very upset. The problem with that argument, aside from the very foundation of it is that specific to Candace, she has broken the code of conduct so many more times than Monique and her vile and abusive use of social media and interactions with people in the Bravo community is beyond what I have seen to my knowledge from any other housewife of any other franchise And say what you will about some of these women and how they behave online. I have never seen to the extent of what Candace has done and the harm that she has caused people who, by the way, didn't sign up to be on reality TV, but are being abused by a real housewife in real time to an extent I have never seen before. And the harm that she has done, if we're going to talk about like the idea of harm that these women have decided based on respectability politics of what Monique has done to the black community and to black women, the harm that Candace has done in body shaming and fat shaming and transphobia and homophobia that she purports to take responsibility with while continuing to attack people on publicly and privately is like unbelievably ghastly to me. And what has happened with, I believe, a friend of yours, Kyle, 
with the black socialites who very tragically passed away recently, I don't know anything about their uh, interactions, Kyle and Candace. I try to kind of stay away from that aspect of Housewives and like that stuff because I don't, it's just not, I I try to focus on like the psychology minutiae area of it. Um, But regardless of what their relationship was like, putting aside any kind of vitriol that they had for a housewife to go on social media knowing that there is someone who's struggling with health issues and to publicly wish for their death is I don't know I don't understand how that's not an immediately fireable offense I think that is so devastatingly cruel and disgusting and you know that that's happening as you're watching these episodes and you're watching Candace be horrified that Monique is able to keep a job and it's like sweetie why are you like I don't why if if the network which I understand is being um not withholding but is is like keeping the cast close because of all the things with the altercation as you said I completely empathize and agree with that and I actually think your um Karen was even in a much stronger place in which to have a conversation with you because of everything that she said in the weeks following what happened but like why is Candace allowed to do these things? Because on camera, it feels like the behavior is so toxic that I've said repeatedly, I think this is going to be her final season and it's not going to be by choice. But off camera, I'm like, this is really not good. (laughs) And it makes me less curious about Candace's journey and her post-it notes Because while I am happy that she is able to, at some base level, feel safe, very upset at her creating a community and environment of unsafety online. Ooh! (laughs) Like, ooh, (laughs) the hurt of it. It's not great. It adds another layer of conversation but it's one that is really tough to describe I mean you have a much more uh, I'm sure intimate you know perspective of this because of your relationship with Kyle and the black socialites um who's the person that we're we're talking about I mean what do you think I mean that adds something when we're talking about you know did Monique go too far like okay but you know, there are other people here that we need to discuss. Um, so it's hard to talk about because I think mm-hmm. that <clears throat> while I won't, you know, obviously I think that Kyle had his own health issues that were already present. And I think mm-hmm. that my belief is that Candace also knew about those things is what kind of makes it all the more kind of egregious in my eyes. So I understand that they had a contentious relationship on, you know, on both, on both ends. However, I do think that there is a place that there has to be a line that you just never cross in your life. Right. Right. That's just us as, as people, as, as decent human beings. 
and that place usually i mean that that line is you we we normally as as decent human beings never just wish death upon anyone that's i just feel like that's that's the thing and the fact that he passed is it's unfortunate but it's just it goes back to basic human decency like we don't wish death on anyone you know i there's people have who have done crazy things to me i don't wish death on them i move on like it's 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 honestly i think but that comes with maturity right that comes with us knowing who we are knowing that no matter what someone says about us it doesn't really reflect who i am because i always feel like my character speaks louder than anything else anybody else could ever say and i think that's what this all boils down to at a certain degree um and that's why i say when you look at the totality of the two women involved, Monique did something that was wrong. But when you look at the totality of who she is as a person, you'll see a good person who did something wrong. Ultimately, when I look at some of Candace's behaviors, I'm seeing a lot of bad behavior. But I know that there's a good person in there. I, ha it has to, I have to believe that. I have to believe. Well, I think that there's a broken person. Absolutely. That you can empathize. Absolutely. With. Yeah. And so these behaviors are coming out as a result of that brokenness. But until you're interested in dealing with that brokenness, then it's never going to be a situation where we get to see what I believe the network wants is a story arc. So similar to Dorinda, you can't arc her story if she's not willing to take get over the hump the, and take responsibility you, you know what i mean because the yeah. easiest thing for dorinda and i just equate the two she's one of my favorites still is um i think that had she come to the reunion humble apologetic about things that she had said and done it would have resonated with network executives and viewers a little bit better and i think she would have been right back in everybody's hearts back on the screen this season. Similar to Candace, what happened after afterwards where we got two different Candaces. We got the victim, but we still got the villain. So you can't play both roles. You can't because what it looks like then is a villain playing a victim role. Because still those broken behaviors are still being exhibited throughout the course of the show and offline it feels like she's not allowing us to be on her side exactly and i feel like there are people who want to be i don't want to none of us want to dislike a character on the show we might have a moment where we're like oh my god they're frustrating but ultimately similar to like a mary we can recognize, wow, what she said was some wild stuff. But I still like her. We want to have, <laughs> you know, we want to have yeah. that experience. But yeah. she makes it hard for us, a lot of us, to have that experience. Because she, it, listen, here's the thing. What would have been amazing is after that altercation, listen, if you're going to be a victim, fall out on the middle, in the middle of the floor, go to the hospital, and then learn from that event, right? When, you, when you're in therapy and the therapist says, do you take any responsibility for this? At a certain point in time, a mature person says, I did egg her on. I was, I was in her face. 
I could have handled things before the demise of our friendship better so that we never lost that communication because she was my friend and I was over her house with my feet up on her couch. We were good. That was like my little, my big sister. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's how you win an audience to your side, but you have to genuinely feel that. Well, and that's the thing is like Dorinda didn't genuinely feel like she has a problem, which is why I think the network did the right thing and saying like, we need to put you, we need to do a little bit of a pause. And because the worst case scenario would be she comes to the reunion to say something she doesn't believe. And then the next season she doubles exactly. down. Exactly. Like, that's not going to help her in any way. And with Candace, it's like, I do want her to take responsibility, but I also feel like she is not a person who knows how to do that. And she is someone who reacts in ways in which she wants to add on as a means of self-defense, seemingly ways in which to harm. And the fact that on social media, she was apologizing for saying things that were homophobic and transphobic and saying how she understands how words matter. And then privately was saying really vile and abusive things to people who are on her side, but just saying like fat and body shaming isn't great. I had to block her. Because she said, which I'm not going to get into and I'm never going to share, but she knew that I have a history of disordered eating. And I said publicly that I didn't know what was going on with her and Kyle. This is like several months ago. But just as somebody who has struggled with disordered eating relating to some trauma that I've experienced, I don't like body or fat shaming i don't it's it does so much more harm to so many innocent people who are in no way involved with whatever war is going on online Mm -hmm. and she said some things to me intentionally that were very abusive and i didn't tell anybody about it and unfortunately my personality which i'm working on (laughs) is one in which when someone is coming at me in that way i de-escalate so i I try to reason. I apologize. Even when someone is abusing me, I'm like, we can find middle ground. We can find middle ground. And really what I should have done is just like blocked her from the start when she started sending me messages. But she continued sending stuff specifically because I have an eating disorder that she wanted to take advantage of to make me feel bad. Because I said, body shaming isn't great. This isn't somebody that maybe is able to separate her behavior from the show with ways in which she is using that behavior against people in the Bravo world. And as someone who experienced a very small, like a 0.0000000% of what she probably gets on the daily, and I'm sure people are coming at her and saying terrible things, It is really painful when people are attacking you and attacking your character. However, for her to respond in the ways that she has, where she's actively trying to use the most sensitive spots against you in order to make you hurt, especially when many of those people aren't even doing it. They're just saying body and fat. That's literally all that was said. It's not great. And it doesn't seem like she is in a place in her life or maybe just in her core where she understands the damage that she does because of her words. It's something that Karen brought up in your interview with her, which again, guys, I can't more highly encourage that you watch. It 
it is not to say that one equals the other, but there is a reckoning that I think a lot of people are having with Candace that unfortunately is related to her behavior on show, but on the show, but a lot of it is not where it's like, you need to be responsible. You need to be more grown up. You are a grown ass adult who in so many ways is so well-spoken and has a lot to offer, but you are damaging other people on your climb up. And that's not that this is not the franchise for that. This is not the ways in which she should, should use her platform. The timing of her apologizing for the previous homophobic stuff with what she was doing still continuously in real time this, to this day she hasn't apologized for is really gross and it's just like purely not good so it's tough because like I've had experiences with her but I'm still relatively open-minded and I've tried to just kind of separate that because the Candace on TV is different from the Candace IRL and the purpose of AG is to like really try to focus on the stuff on TV, but she makes it difficult to empathize with her because she repeats, repeats really poor behavior over and over and over again. And, And she doesn't see it. And the unfortunate thing is that, you know, I feel like two things, one need only if she wanted to really play this game, you know, the way that it's supposed to be played. I remember Dolores telling Whitney this during the little Bravo exchange that they were having leading up to the premiere of Salt Lake City. She said, you know, don't respond to anyone who says mm-hmm. anything negative about you online because, you know, it, 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 it's just not a good thing to do because it'll turn into something else. And I think that that's a lesson that she hasn't learned, which is very odd because her co-star Giselle is very good at, you know, taking the hits and and rising above it, not acknowledging anything that's happening on social media, blithely living in her in her own little world, which is is healthy. And but I think that's also something that comes with age. The other thing is, I also think that, and kind of, not to take anything away from Giselle and Robin, but I think that. Candace being and and them having Candace's back is easy because it means that they have to do less work because they know that Candace will always on the show and off be the person that they need to react, to get things started, to to really keep up the drama on the show. And they can sort of sit back and manipulate things behind the scenes and sort of make this an easier situation for themselves to keep the show entertaining. That's honestly my assessment of why they really have her back so much. Because I think ultimately they know that she is incendiary. They know that she is problematic. But I think that it suits their purposes a little bit more to have them, to have her on the show. And it's so unfortunate. It just makes me like kind of sad that she does these things online because I'm like, this is such a good season. I know. She like ruins it. (laughs) She ruins it. I'm so selfish. I'm like, keep it. Keep it in the game. Keep it. Keep it on the field. Don't go into the locker room and fucking whatever. Destroy some whatever. Keep it. Keep it as a part of the game, honestly, because she would. She would have so many more people who were able to remain empathetic. And I think honestly that on 
in the show she deserves that you know as monique does as all of these women hopefully do but it's hard because sometimes when you cross those lines it's like i still selfishly want to unpack it but i also feel like she's not necessarily worthy you know of that kind of dialogue not not at this point now i think you know in a couple of hopefully in a couple of years when you know i i would i said this on another show i think um I don't know that she's had her Ashley moment yet. And I think what I mean by that is I think that, and it doesn't have to be motherhood. It's just probably some life event that happens and that sort of just changes you and open your, opens your mind. And I think that with motherhood, Ashley changed a lot. She still got a little bit of mess with her, but that, that keeps her interesting on the show. But I think by and large, we've seen a different Ashley. And I would have liked to have seen this be maybe that life event that, sort of changed the direction for Candace a little bit. I think that you're totally right. I also think that Ashley is so much more vulnerable, but as a additional change to that, it feels like because of that vulnerability, her husband has, regardless of whether or not this is like subconscious or not, taken advantage of her, um, feeling like she will do anything to protect her family and i think that there's so many aspects of that that she should be commended for Mm -hmm. but i was so appreciative of that moment where robin was like it is not your job to care for this baby and this husband and watch over every single thing that he does because he needs to be responsible for his behavior and p.s you also deserve to be taken care of like there's such a split right now with Ashley feeling like I need to take care of this man and also this baby. And it's like, where is he in there? Aside from him calling back and being like, I'm sorry. He needs to do a better job because right now and she needs to do a better job, hopefully with time of knowing that she deserves so much more than what he's currently you know, giving her. That moment with Robin was such a, I don't want to call it a nuanced moment, but it, it I think it was a moment that might have been overlooked by a lot of people. Um, but I felt like it was a moment where I think Robin probably shines the best mm-hmm. is, is that story that I don't think we've fully gotten from her about what that experience has been like as, you know, someone who has gone through that. And I felt like we, we really missed out on an opportunity to have that dis- to hear her have more of that discussion alone with Ashley and walk us back through what really happened back in the day with you and Juan. I mean, we know surface level, but what did, what was the experience like for you? I would love to know. That's such a good question. I would love to know. I, oh, hopefully God. we get that at some point. I mean, this week really on Potomac was all about like who's holding each other accountable and who does one person think is like going too far? I mean, that moment where Robin wasn't just remaining silent, but actually very respectfully and like a real friend who's also filming a TV show held Giselle accountable. And Giselle's response was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Aren't you're supposed to be my ride or die. And PS part of being ride or die is like, slow down the car, you know, Oh my God! you're going in the wrong direction. And I think that's something that Giselle, I do think that Giselle gets it. I do also think that Giselle was like, I thought we had a right. <laughs> You couldn't say that to me off camera. Come on. I'm different. I'm different than all the people following. Um, was, gr- was great. I think that like this is 
you know, Karen is having such a triumphant season, but also Robin is just continuing to bloom. And I would like to know what uh, happened with her and Juan because I do think that like we're understanding so much more of her I think that there's a maturity that can happen off camera and I think that there's also just like a comfort level with being on the show um and I think that Robin is in a really comfortable place right now and able to like say and do things that just show what a confident person she is and how much she has grown um that just shows like the power and influence that she's ha she has amongst these women because she's not someone who we have seen hold Giselle to task a lot. And that might be because they honestly do agree with each other on a lot of stuff. They have every right to. So, but it's just so wonderful to see her have that mm -hmm. moment because I feel like, you know, that's really important. And, you know, having a friend and being able to take that friend and say in a group setting or not and say like, here's an example of something I don't necessarily agree with or whatever I think is really important. It does also just beg the question before we wrap, you know, in that interview with Karen that I've mentioned 500 times, she <laughs> mentioned some stuff with Giselle and I mean the Giselle and Jamal stuff and whether or not that's real and Giselle seemingly discomfort with being, held to task and also the question of whether or not Monique and Ashley are currently ride or die both because they genuinely care for each other and also because there is some sort of an alliance because Monique stood for her last season during all of the you know husband assaulty stuff groping hmm. stuff um do you think how much of this do you think is related to optics for these women of supporting each other, making sure, you know, that they themselves look their best versus like a trust game of like real genuine friendships with stakes where you want to make sure that your friend feels protected? I think that I will speak about people in general when they come on reality shows. Please. I think that there are different types of people that come on reality shows. I think that there are some who came to perform. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They came to perform. They came to put on a show. And I think for those people, it's easier to sort of build alliances and to sort of strategize how to maneuver on the chessboard. Then I think that there are people who come into a show and... They just want to be themselves. They just kind of come on and they're just like free and I'm going to just open up. What I think has happened is I think that and I'm not saying this because, you know, I, I, I know her personally, but I do think and believe based on the character that I've seen, like her actual character as a person. I think that Monique came onto the show sort of like, you know, hi, here I am. Hi, my name is Monique. You know what I mean? Like, and I think along the way, hoping to build genuine friendships and, you know, has had some pitfalls and, you know, taken some wrong turns, but ultimately is wanting to have a few genuine friendships. But I think that the hard part is knowing who 
and when to be genuine with, right? So, and that's kind of like in real life as well. It's kind of like going to work at a job. Like, uh, these people are not really my friend. I might find one good work wife or husband out of the bunch, but it, by and large, these people are not my friends. So I think, <laughs> I mean, look at it. You just got to look at it like that. So I think yeah. that um, the relationship from the from now looking at it on the screen, especially last week's episode, I think that the relationship with Monique and Ashley has developed into one where there is a lot more trust, particularly for Ashley, because she saw that when given the opportunity several times, Monique has not used something that she knew about her as fodder for the show. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's a level of, oh, this is a real friendship. So I'm going to have her back too. That's kind of how I feel. And I feel like even with Robin, with Giselle, I don't know what Giselle's motivations are, but I do believe that with Robin, she looks to Giselle as a friend because the way she approached that situation, I thought was what a real friend does. I'm going to hold you accountable for what I see and what's happening. And nobody, it, it didn't even feel like she attacked Giselle in any way, shape or form. She just simply was honest. And a real friend will also come back around and say, hey, listen, this is, this is what, what I'm thinking. I, I didn't want to, you know, take you down. It wasn't that, it wasn't that type of scenario, but this is, this is, this is me being real with you and you need that. And I think ultimately Giselle knows, okay, I need it a little, I, I need it sometimes. I need it sometimes. And I think it only like helps to grow and, um, it's hard to say like improve on their friendship because it seems like they have such a great friendship right, relationship, right. but it just, it shows that they can both be like equals in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, in their time on TV, you know, like Robin deserves her spot in the sun. And I don't think that Giselle, regardless of her being like, Oh, you know, like I think that Giselle gets that in respect yeah. too, which is why regardless of how you feel about like Giselle's behavior this season and God bless her for it PS. And I can't wait for the reunion, which filmed yesterday. <laughs> um, I, I, it's really appreciated and especially on a franchise that's having like one of the best of all time. Oh, absolutely. And so we'll see. Have you, have you heard anything about what happened? We do have to wrap, but have you heard anything about what happened on the reunion yesterday? Not yet, but I'm very interested. I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, person. I'm gonna be trying my hardest to find out what I can. <laughs> And guys, the number one place to find that out as soon as you listen to Andy's Girls or maybe during is visiting at DJ Richie Sky on Instagram and his YouTube channel, same handle, because it's fucking amazing. And your interviews are so good. And I'm so obsessed with you starting them with like this like medley of wonderful moments of you like dancing for the cameras and like living your best life. I love it. I want my own someone come over here from six feet away and do whatever needs to get done because I'm super into it. And I had so much fun with you when we did a little kiki on your channel a couple months, a couple months ago. I don't know. Yesterday. Um, so you guys can look for that um, on Richie Sky's YouTube channel because it was so much 
fun. Richie Sky, tell the people what you need to say. What have I missed? What do we need to talk about? What what is coming up? What housewives can we look forward to you kicking with next? Anything that we need to know? Um, the Heather Thompson interview will be out today uh, in just a few minutes when, when we get off the line. Well, I guess by the time they hear this, it'll already be out. So you guys can check it out yes. on my channel. Um, I've got a couple more coming out. Uh, and some people that I have on my wish list that I want to talk to. And I think that, um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, I guess just follow me on Instagram and on YouTube at DJ Richie's Guy. Uh, and I'm going to link to your interview with Karen in the show notes for this episode because it was so amazing. And also, speaking of wish list, I do a holiday card. Um, last year, mine was like me and Portia. And I think it was like in honor of the Holy Spirit or something. I forget what it was, but they're always like really crazy. And while I was offline yesterday, taking a time out from Instagram, I thought of the theme for this year's holiday card. And it is so fucking wackadoo. So you need to send me your address. And um, guys, don't dox him, okay? Because <laughs> that's what we do here. Um, but I, you are going to freak out when you see it. <laughs> I will send you so my good. address as soon as we get off the line. Amaze. Um, guys, die for you. Love you. Um, be kind <laughs> to each other <laughs> online. <laughs> My God. Um, if I haven't blocked you, you can find me on social at Dame Galley, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls for exclusive bonus episodes, uh, which one of which I'm recording very soon. Um, so that'll be up this weekend. And slide into my DMs. Let me know your thoughts and feels um, about the Vice piece and anything else, which will be in the show notes for this week's app. Um, thank you to Alex and the team at Vice for um, that article and to all of you for listening and supporting me, regardless of whether or not you agree. And Richie Sky, I die for you. I can't wait to talk to you again next week because you're coming back every week for until the end of time. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> Ow, I'm here. 53 cents. <laughs> All right, guys. Hope you're having a good weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.